Hi, I'm Dove Fox. You're listening to the Audible Original Podcast, Donor 9623, Part 1, where I uncover a world of betrayal in the biggest reproductive hoax of our time. Shocking details emerge in my quest for the truth, and it doesn't stop here. An all-new Part 2 is available now. You won't want to miss this thrilling next chapter only from Audible. Visit audible.com donor to learn more and sign up for your free trial. I was wrapping up interviews with families, lawyers, and experts when a surprising recording fell into my lap. I want to welcome all of you and thank you for participating in the info program. And today's session features donor 9623. My name is Mary, and I am the corporate dinner counselor. This is Mary Hartley. Back when this was recorded in 2006, she was director of donor recruitment for Zytex. I can't say where I got this tape, but I verified it's authentic. Today's program will consist of a live interactive discussion between myself and donor 9623. This interview took place six years after 9623 became a donor at Zytex. Hartley had called him in. She said they'd sold out of all his sperm and needed more. It wasn't the only time she asked him to come back like this, but it was the first time she had him do a recorded interview, a live one that customers could dial into and send in questions they wanted her to ask him. When you donate, uh, these units are going to all different types of families that are being created and that there are you know, lesbian couples that are raising children, sure. single women by choice. How do you feel about that? I think what matters in a relationship between parent and child is love. And as long right. as there's love there, then the relationship is going to prosper. I think right. love conquers all. I truly, truly believe that. That is great. This interview lasts 30 minutes, and it covers a lot of ground. What kind of family he comes from? I have five brothers and a, and a sister. You know, they're hmm. very, very important to me. And uh, I spend as much time as possible visiting them. You know, we call each other every week. Actually, my youngest sibling and I get along probably the best out of any of them. Really? Yeah, I don't know why it is. He's just, he has a great sense of humor. And, yeah? And yeah, we really have a common bond. He described his spiritual upbringing. I was, uh, I was actually baptized as a, as a young child, and I was raised in the Lutheran church. But whenever I read scripture, it's the Bible or the Koran, I always feel overwhelmed with the sense of peace and the common wisdom in each of the religions, be it in Christianity or Buddhism or Judaism. Or and he talked about his politics. I don't want to say I'm a Democrat or Republican, basically right. because there are issues on both sides of the aisle that I, I agree with. Right. You know, right. I tend to be kind of fiscally conservative, but I, I tend to be socially liberal. As he right. speaks, there's a silent um, kind of audience of people issue. listening in, trying to decide if this is the guy they want to be their sperm donor. Um, we had a contest in third grade to see who could read the most books in a month, and I ended up winning this, the state Wow. Contest. Yeah, so oh. I got a big pizza party at Pizza Hut. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I read something like 300 books in a month. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm yeah. lucky to get my first grader to get 50 books in in two months. <laughs> and um, I would just read anything I could get my hands That's on. Great. I was very interested in like... Uh, um, this tape, like the Hardy Boys. it's a sales pitch. What a mature young man you were. And, and I could just tell from our first conversation, that you were very special. You had a <laughs> way above average IQ, I could just tell. I appreciate it. And that. you were just so mature beyond your years. And I said, oh my gosh, you know, you're just going to be the perfect sperm donor. This reminded me of something I'd heard from David Plotz. He's the author who had applied to be a sperm donor while researching his book. 
It's a very funny seduction. They're trying to pump you up, make you feel like a real man. They're always telling you how great your sperm is compared to the average guy's sperm and so that you, you feel fired up about that. It's so primitive, really, making men feel superior about their sperm. ...in this program, but most of all for, for being the person you are and deciding to share that with us and others. Uh, and uh, I can't thank you enough and others like you and... Again, thank all of you all who are participating in this. From the outside, sperm banks can seem, I don't know, medical. Like a clinic, maybe, where doctors help people with infertility. But a sperm bank is a for-profit company. A broker, really. Selling a product. I think there are two ways of hearing this conversation between Mary Hartley and her star donor, 9623. And those two interpretations, they reflect the question at the heart of this whole case— Who's to blame? Zytex points a finger at donor 9623. Remember Michael Tucker, the farm boy turned scientist CEO? This was such a sort of flagrant abuse of the system by this individual. In Tucker's telling, donor 9623 is a scam artist. Zytex was as much a victim as anyone. They got duped too. Yeah, an egregious case of how somebody could perhaps carry off a ruse such as this. And when I listen to Hartley's exchange with Chris, I hear that. So much of what he says on this tape is a lie. The, the field that I actually study specifically is called four-sphere topology of the brain. Oh, and basically what I do is I research the different interactions. In reality, Chris had dropped out of college 10 years earlier. At the time of this interview, he'd just been released from jail for felony burglary. We'll hear more about that in the next chapter. Chris also fails to mention he's been on full government disability since 2002 after being hospitalized for a number of psychotic episodes. He doesn't include any of that, but he does portray himself as cultured and worldly. Food there is to die for, so if you ever get a chance to go to China, I highly recommend it, even just for the food. Um, But the more I listened to this tape, the more I started to home in on the recruiter, Mary Hartley. I could tell that you were going to be someone who would stick with it, even if it meant driving some distance, just because you had, you know, a lot of integrity and, and just it meant just more than the income. So I, you just don't know how I appreciate people like yourself, uh, you know, spending the time out of your very busy days to come in here. Hartley isn't just presenting the facts about Donor 9623. She's selling him. Let's uh, go ahead and talk a little bit about your uh, 9623, about your capabilities as a student. I've always done fairly well in school. Early testing showed a a gift, I guess I should say, towards the mathematics and the scientific uh, fields. To my ears, she's trying to make him sound as desirable as possible. You're a brilliant young man. Chris tells her about his athletic prowess. I'm six feet four inches, so I naturally acclimated to basketball. And uh, I played that even on the school team uh, through high school. He describes uh, his dedication to music. I've actually been a musician for about 15 years. I practiced for three or four hours almost every single day and uh, and classically trained. And tells her he speaks five languages. I studied Italian as a musician. I wanted to be more well-versed in opera. And uh, a lot of the musical terms are in Italian. How much of this is true, I can't say. But one thing is clear. Hartley eats it up. And you were so profound, even back then. And some of your, Her fawning you know, tone struck me as kind of creepy. That, I just remember thinking, good gosh, 
what a mature young man you were. And and I could just tell, you know, you you were doing this probably for extra income, but there was something much greater. Of I course. Mean, I mean, at first, the money is definitely an attraction. I, I would, you know, be lying if I said I wasn't. But really what has kept me coming is the fact that I know that I'm helping people. You know, right. I'm helping to conceive a child. Hartley keeps flattering him. And I tell you, I, I, I could tell the genuine, uh, the genuineness in, in, from the very beginning. Back on, and I'm just so grateful for it. And I'm so honored just to even be considered for, for donor status. I right. really am. You just don't know how I appreciate people like yourself. Dr. Tucker is right. Mary Hartley was lied to. But that's only half the story. I wondered if her efforts to sell 9623 had the effect of egging him on. You know, he's, he's the type that, you know, you really strive to get. And really, you only get, gosh, you're, you're lucky if you get a handful of men like you in. And I've been here two decades, I'm telling you. In the court records, Zytex denied that Hartley ever encouraged him to lie. Mary Hartley was the director of donor recruitment for all of Zytex. She gave the customers listening in on this call the sense that donor 9623 had been carefully screened. And that vetting is a big part of what people are paying sperm banks to do. Here's Angie again. They'll say stuff like, you'll know more about your donor than the average person knows about their own partner. That's how thorough we are with our questionnaires and our interviews. Remember, Zytex donors are anonymous. Sperm banks claim men won't donate if their kids might later be able to track them down. But research suggests that most donors care less about protecting their identity than about getting paid. To release their names, they just want a bit more money, about 60 bucks extra per deposit, according to one study. And this assurance of anonymity is probably wishful thinking anyway, since you don't have to rely on email leaks anymore to find out where you came from. Nowadays, consumer DNA kits let you spit in a cup and mail it off to a lab to get a list of genetic relatives who have done the same. But that's just after a kid is born. So prospective parents like Angie had to rely on Zytex to learn about their donors from that written profile and any additional features like this call-in available for an extra fee. It's like a sigh of relief for all of us to have heard his voice, to hear from his own words. It gave you that confidence. I really did make a good choice. But as far as I can tell, Zytex hadn't verified most of what Chris was saying. How could Hartley not have known that? Best case, she was relying on instinct, and it failed her. Worst case, Hartley suspected her star donor was lying, and just turned a blind eye, like the families had suggested in their lawsuits. You are, you know, uh, what makes uh, Zytec and other banks just, you know, just above average, I-, I can say. And we strive, and it's hard to get people of your caliber. So, again, I appreciate so much uh, you participating and, well, you know, sharing what time you I reached out to Hartley for comment, but she didn't return my letters or calls. Zytex rewarded her performance. In 2016, Hartley was promoted to vice president of operations. And in 2017, given a seat on the company's board of directors. Again, I appreciate so much uh, you participating and well, you. You know, sharing what time you, you have. And you do uh, you know, go quite out of the way to come in here. They're selling just this Disney, like this perfect donor that is nowhere near perfect. That's Linda. 
the mom whose daughter was born in 2011. So if we're going to put a spin on this donor, boost his application, boost his education, nothing wrong with him, of course everybody's going to go for this guy. And that's exactly what happened. When lawyer Nancy Hirsch began building the case against Zytex, she got to do something the moms never did. She got to meet donor 9623. And this was a conversation that you had with him, with his lawyer present? Yes. Hirsch says he seemed bright, charming even, but also really distraught over important details he said Zytex had left out. One of the things that he said was that they never asked him to verify anything that had they asked him for his medical records, he would have given them to him. The lawsuit alleged Hartley encouraged him to lie about his IQ. Quote, Mr. Agalis told her he thought his IQ was about 130, but she suggested to him that he was a genius with an IQ of about 160. This thing about the IQ, the donor's lawyer, James Johnson, mentioned it too. Based on what I know, he did not go to Zytex and say, I have an IQ of 160, put that down. I don't know that anybody ever took an IQ test of him. Where did the number come from? I believe that someone thought he was highly intelligent, thought a number of 160 was an IQ of a highly intelligent person. There you go. Again, in its court filings, Zytex denied that Hartley encouraged Agalis to, quote, tell lies. I asked Dr. Tucker about this. Donor 9623 said that uh, when he went in to be screened, he said, um, 130 is my IQ. And he was, it was more like 160. I'm sorry, I, I really can't speak to that, that, that he would have been manipulated through the process to appear to be more than he actually was. I would question the individual's character uh, rather than, you know, question the individual who was interviewing him. Then there was the matter of his education. According to the complaint, Zytex said donor 9623 was getting his PhD at the University of Georgia, where he'd already earned his bachelor's. His degrees had also come up in that 2006 interview. Right now, I'm a master's degree candidate at the university here. I'm studying artificial intelligence. I plan on pursuing the field of uh, biomedical robotics. Most of this, of course, wasn't true. Chris had dropped out of school before he ever walked in the doors of Zytex. Had the sperm bank ever asked to see his diplomas? On April 8, 2015, following media coverage about the first lawsuit, Zytex posted an open letter on its website, responding to some of the allegations. The letter is signed by then-president of Zytex, Kevin O'Brien. Among other things, he addressed this issue of the diplomas. Donor 9623, quote, provided us with copies of his undergraduate and graduate university degrees. But when? When did Zytex ask for his diplomas? Hirsch says it was only once she notified Zytex that it was about to be sued that the company went back to donor 9623 and asked for actual proof. That was in August 2014, nearly a decade and a half after the company began selling his sperm. At any point over that time, a quick call to the university would have confirmed he hadn't graduated. The open letter highlighted that the sperm bank's vetting process, quote, eliminates 99% of the potential donors who apply to Zytex. The company's president wrote that donor 9623 completed a basic physical exam, health and personal questionnaire, and interview. 
The letter also reiterated that the couple who brought suit, quote, were clearly informed that the representations were reported by the donor and were not verified by Zytex. This was standard operating procedure. The sperm bank included a disclaimer in its donor profiles, telling potential buyers that much of the information was self-reported and uncorroborated. It feels like sperm banks are trying to have it both ways. On the one hand, they claim it's harder to be a donor than to get into Harvard. That seems to imply that only the smartest, most accomplished men are chosen. But at least when it came to Zytex, sterling credentials didn't seem to be the top criteria. That resume may be the biggest draw for customers. But remember what Michael Tucker told me about how Zytex picked donors. How many motile, normally shaped sperm did you have? And did it come from a fecund individual? Could you actually make babies with this? As I've said before, I asked the current leadership at Zytex for comment on all of this. They repeatedly declined to participate in this story. What did they find out? What did they know? And what are they trying to hide? What are they covering? Had the first wave of cases gone to trial, we might have gotten some answers. But since those were settled, there's a lot we still don't know. For a big-name corporation like Zytex, settlements aren't just about managing the risk of a bigger payout in the event they lose. They're also about protecting the company's image. Is the victory potentially a Pyrrhic victory? Because the clients want to be able to pay for the extraordinary care that's required when you have a potentially schizophrenic child. But it meant there'd be no airing of evidence and no pressure on Zytex to change. It could keep doing business as usual. They do not have to do anything to verify the integrity of that product. They can just take it and sell it. And there will be no accountability and no litigation in the future. No law requires Zytex to run background checks on donors or keep track of how many children come from each one or share important medical updates with the families. Dr. Tucker told me there are suggested guidelines by an industry group. The American Society of Reproductive Medicine, the ASRM, which is the sort of society that oversees all operations of assisted reproduction. But any recommendations a society makes aren't enforced. And it's unclear how widely they're followed. So U.S. sperm banks continue to make the rules for themselves. And even after all the lapses this case revealed, here's what Tucker had to say. Should these practices now be mandated by government? No, I don't think so. These kinds of governmental interventions at the state or even more so at the federal level really don't accommodate in a one-size-fits-all approach. Without sounding like a libertarian, I really feel that the industry is best served by regulating itself. Hirsch, as you'd expect, sees it differently. When I settled these cases, they told me, they did not put it in writing, that they had initiated a policy of doing background checks, and they had initiated a policy of checking the educational representations of the donors. Why wouldn't they have done this before? Because nobody made them do it. Wendy, Angie, Linda, and the other families 
They just wanted to have kids. Mary Hartley, Michael Tucker, and Zytex wanted to give them those kids. Well, not give exactly, but facilitate their creation. For a price. What about donor 9623, the man himself? What did he want out of all this? And who was he really? That's next time. For more explosive investigations like Donor 9623, listen to The Debutante from journalist John Ronson. In his latest Audible original, Ronson untangles the mystery of Carol Howe, a charismatic debutante who disappeared from the world, but not before she found herself amidst one of the most terrible crimes ever to take place in America. Part conspiracy theory, part mystery. Visit audible.com slash debutante. That's audible.com slash D-E-B-U-T-A-N-T-E and sign up for your free trial.